0: My name is Abraham Phillip and it's a pleasure and delight to be here once again with you. I've been off with my family for the last two weeks. We had a chance to go on on vacation and enjoy some sunshine uh, at Myrtle Beach and and then we came back to reality and my wife had a list of things to do around the house and I was so glad to go back to work. Uh, So uh, you remember that conversation we had many, many weeks ago about Sabbath, remember Sabbath? Yeah, well, so anyway, last month I turned uh, 50. And all of a sudden, thank you, thank you. um, And I shouldn't have been surprised, but all of a sudden I started getting mail from guess who? Oh, you have it too. (laughs) And then the phone calls. Hey, we'd like to offer you life insurance or Medicare. And I'm thinking, but I'm not that old. (laughs) Uh, Okay, maybe I feel old, all right, okay. But, and my friends, you know, when I turned 50, they sent me all these things and they sent me all these lists of you know you're old when you know that. All right, let me let me let me share with you a couple of them today, kids. You will have no idea what I'm talking about, but just, if you just pay attention and keep these in your mind, you'll know what you're looking forward to. <laughs> you know you're old when all the names in your adri- little address book end in MD, right? <laughs> you know you're old when you get winded playing chess. You know you're old when your knees buckle but your belt won't. You know you're old when you sink your teeth into an apple and they stay there. You know you're old when it takes twice as long to look half as good. You know you're old when everything hurts and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. And you know you're old when your back goes out out more often than you do. (laughs) Unfortunately, that last one I can relate to very well. Once it goes out, it's out. And um, all the Lord can do is just uh, give you grace to continue. But unfortunately, a lot of those um, I feel. (laughs) I relate to a lot of them more than I wish I I could say I did, but I do. And so today, children, thank you for joining our service. But today we're going to talk about aging, (laughs) we're going to talk about getting old. We've been in a series called Smoke and Mirrors. We've been looking at the book of Ecclesiastes written by Solomon as a journal of his life, a a life that he spent searching for meaning and satisfaction under the sun. And, And we looked at it for the last five weeks or so, we've looked at this book, the first two chapters, looking at the things Solomon did to find meaning and satisfaction under the son. And if you've been with us, you've, you've heard some of the things that Solomon did. And, and I believe that he's writing this book as an older person, writing it to his children and to the generations that are to follow to teach them, to show them the things that he did to find meaning and satisfaction. And if you remember the conclusion that Solomon had, if he had to summarize it in one word, what would it be? That everything that he tried, the conclusion was what? What? vanity. It was all a chasing after the wind. If you remember, he looked to find meaning in work and toil, but found that all of that ceaseless work amounted to nothing. We saw him look for meaning in pursuing wisdom, but in the end, even that was just sorrow and vexation. We saw him look for meaning in self-indulgence as he gave himself up to wine, women, and song. And yet all of that, while he had all of it, it still didn't satisfy him. We saw him try to find meaning in wise living, but then he learned that even the wise and the foolish suffer the same ultimate fate. And so it's all vanity. And then we looked at the fact that he was trying to accumulate things in his life with all of the wealth and the treasure that he had. He tried to find meaning in accumulating stuff, but even that stuff didn't satisfy him. And so his conclusion, as you have reminded me, is vanity, that it's all futile. It's all a chasing after the wind. And so today we're going to skip all the way to the end of the book. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And so we ended last week at the end of chapter 2, and today we go to the end, where Solomon gives us one more question that he's going to address, and then he's going to give us the conclusion, the ultimate conclusion of his search for meaning and satisfaction. And the question that he raises here in chapter 12 is, is there any meaning to this life? Is there any meaning to this life? So the section that we're going to look at is part of a, a larger set or a larger passage. And the thought really begins in chapter 11 and verse 7. And we're, we are, we're not going to look at that today. But if you were to read chapter 11, Solomon focuses on the present. Solomon focuses on what to do with the time that you have today how to enjoy life and to live life while you are still young today when we get to chapter 12 we're going to look at what happens when it's too late solomon is going to repeatedly use the word before In fact, three times in these verses that we're just going to look at very briefly, he's going to use the word before to try to get us to understand that there are things that we can do before we get too old and before it gets too late. And so the passage we're going to look at, the first part of it is very metaphorical. He's using very beautiful poetic language to convey an ultimate reality that we are all getting old and we're all headed to die aren't you so glad you came to church today (laughs) we're all getting old and we're all going to die and so the question he raises is is there any meaning to this life So starting in verse number one, he says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. We're gonna come back to verse number one, but again, he's using metaphorical language and he's talking about the celestial heavens, the sun and the moon and the stars. The light is dimming. And as we grow old, and as you will know, things start to not be looking as rosy as they once were. When we were young, everything looked beautiful. Everything looked rosy. And we looked through rose-colored glasses, but as you get older, those rose-tinted glasses fade, don't they? hmm And then he says, you know, normally after a rainstorm, what comes out? Right? Annie's song, the sun will come out tomorrow. But Solomon says, even after the rainstorm, the clouds still stick around. We're getting old. It's no longer sunny anymore. And so we're going to look at now, as Solomon goes from a cosmic celestial view, he now narrows his viewpoint down to earth, down to an old house that is decrepit and falling apart. And he's going to use this picture of an old house to talk about our bodies as they Age And there's going to be lots of interpretation. You're going to have your interpretation. Commentators have hundreds of different opinions. No one really knows exactly what the things we're going to talk about really mean, but I'm going to share with you my point of view. You can have yours. Mine is not conclusive. I am not holding to that my view is the best, but just the view you're going to hear today. (laughs) Uh, But we can have a conversation afterwards about your view. It's no problem. But here we go. Verse number three. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men, are, strong men are bent, probably referring to the arms and the legs, as they get older, they get weaker, right? For those of us who are maybe over 50, we know what that means. And the grinders cease because they are few, most likely referring to what? Teeth. Remember, this is back in the day before dentists and dentistry and oral hygiene and surgery and fake teeth, Right? So the grinders are few. The teeth decay and fall apart. And those who look through the windows are dimmed, most likely referring to what? Eyes. Remember, there's no optometrist. There's no eyeglasses in Solomon's day. And so when your eyes fade and cataracts set in, you lose your eyesight. And the doors, verse number 4 and the doors on the street are shut, where the sound of the grinding is low, and one rises at the sound of a bird, and all the daughters of song are brought low. Most likely referring to hearing. That as we get older, at least my wife tells me, that as I've gotten older, it's, she has to yell louder. Uh, just maybe because I'm stubborn, but that's okay. Uh, I'll, let's go with it. Uh, I'm getting a hard, It's harder to hear. It's harder to hear. And, and for those of you who may be a little older than me, you get woken up by the little things, by the bird chirping, and stop, stop hitting the person next to you say, that's you. Some of that's going on here. Um, but, but just wait, you'll, you'll be there, <laughs> right? Uh, we get woken up by the little things, right? Our hearing goes, and yet even our sleep is disturbed. Verse 5, they are afraid also of what is high, and terrors are in the way. You know, there's fear of heights and terror about what might be in the way. What once used to be an inviting hill or a or a street to walk down now becomes a terror. We're frightened by climbing those stairs or walking up that hill because, well, our, our knees aren't as good as they once were. Then he goes on to say in verse five the almond tree blossoms. You guys know what color almond trees blossom? Are? Almond tree blossoms are. They're white, referring to the color that your hair gets if you still have them, white hair. The grasshopper drags itself along. The grasshopper normally hops along, so if the grasshopper is dragging itself along, it's probably referring to your joints that don't so often work as well as they used to. Oh, how I feel my knees, (laughs) like I never felt before, or my back, for that matter, and desire. Fails, most likely referring to the loss of sexual desire. I'm so glad that that's last on the list. Because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the street. All of this happens. It's a beautiful poetic picture of what happens when we get older, as our bodies start to fall apart, as things age, as things wear out. Beautifully written by Solomon to showcase what happens as we age. And then we are headed towards, notice what he says in verse number 6. is all of the metaphors of old age give way, he says in verse 6, before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the sister." There's some people who, some commentators who believe that these four are additional body parts. For example, the, the, the silver cord could be your spinal cord. The, the golden bowl could be your cranium and so on. The, the pitcher could be your heart. But I think these are four images of death. Just four images of death, beautifully pictured. That there is no longer an opportunity for you to continue to keep the candle burning or for you to draw from the well of life to keep living. Once God calls you home. It's time to go home. And all of those words and all of those pictures give way to a final proclamation in verse number seven. And the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. That's his conclusion. When all is said and done, when you live life under the sun, when you live life in your own strength, The summary conclusion is verse number eight, vanity of vanities. If you've been with us from the beginning of this series, you know in chapter one and verse number two, Solomon had already stated that. All of it is vanity. All of it living under the sun, living for pleasure, living for satisfaction, living to find meaning in your own strength, apart from God, the summary conclusion, it's all vanity. And so the question he raises is, what's the point of life? Is there any meaning to life? And his answer in verse number 8 is what? No. There is no meaning. If you're going to live for yourself and you're going to live under the sun and you're going to do it in your own strength, there is no meaning because no matter what we do and no matter where we go and no matter what we accumulate, it all amounts to nothing because all of us, regardless of how old we are, we're decaying. We're falling apart. And we're headed to a point where God will call us home and this soul will depart this body and return to its maker. Vanity of vanities. So what do we do with such a hopeless message? What do we do in light of such meaninglessness? I mean, that sounds full of despair, doesn't it? I mean, it is not a rah-rah message. Hey, I'm going to die. Great. Oh, no, that, that sounds awful. Sounds scary. But I told you we'd go back to verse number one. And let's do that now. You see, hope is found in verse number one. Solomon says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth. You see, joy is found not under the sun. Joy is found remembering your creator. Young men, children, youth, this is specifically directed to you. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Now, some of you are like, well, I'm not a youth anymore. Oh, yeah, but you are. (laughs) You may be young at heart. Let's go with that, can we? We're young at heart. Remember also your creator today because there's joy and life in the creator, and when we can remember our creator, when we can remember our God in this life, there will be meaning. There can be satisfaction. There can be joy even in this life. So when we were once young, you remember when you were young? I remember when I was once young. I never thought of dying. Never thought of aches and pains unless I had twisted my ankle playing basketball or, or something else, right? But The future was bright. I could do anything. I had all the strength and all of the energy and now I can't even get up. But when you're young, you have energy, you have strength, you have a rosy future, you have everything ahead of you. Solomon says the one thing you can do, the best thing you can do, remember your creator. Remember your creator in your youth. Solomon challenges us to remember our God in this life. You know, we were created to know God and to worship him and to enjoy him forever, right? Just like your dog is happiest when it's chasing a ball at the beach or your cat, Lounges in the sun is the is happiest. You and I are happiest when we are worshiping God and enjoying Him forever, amen? That's what we were created to do. The problem is so many of us are chasing so many different things in life, thinking that all of these other things, if we can just have the experience that so-and-so posted on social media, then we'd be happy. Do you realize that you can pay to get backgrounds that make you look like you've been anywhere in the world? You can do that. I'm not, I'm not sure I believe half of the things you people post. Sorry, I'm just a cynic. I can't believe that some, of, some people went there and did that. It, it, it Okay, but I found that you can pay for it. You can pay for that picture. They can insert you anywhere nowadays. But none of that matters because all of that fades and all of that comes to nothing and Solomon's conclusion is it's all vanity. The one thing not vanity, the one thing that doesn't fade, is God. And so when we remember him in this life, the promise or the corollary is that he will remember us in the life to come. But the opposite of that statement is also true. If we choose not to remember him in this life, then he will not remember us in the next. You understand that? And so Solomon says, remember your creator in the days Of your youth there are two things that are eternal two things that are eternal God's Word and your soul your soul will live forever and the day that God calls you to leave this world your soul will leave your body and it will go to its eternal home the question you and I have to answer is where is that eternal home if you remember God in this life you Will be remembered by god and you will spend all eternity with him but if you choose to reject god and you choose not to remember god then when you leave this world and your soul departs this body you're going to spend eternity apart from him where you spend your eternity is up to you i was reading the story of a a man who was driving his vehicle down in kilgore texas and he uh, drove off the ditch for some reason and crashed at the, on, the, on the other side of the embankment. And, and some of the people that saw the accident rushed to help him and found him unconscious and they pulled him out of the car and they took him to the nearest place that was available which happened to be a, a gas station, a, a service station. And they laid him there on the, on the ground there in the, in, the, in the gas station. And after some time, he started to come to and, and as he was looking up, he started shaking, violently shaking. And he went into a panic and and his body went into shock and the people around him panicked and they rushed him to the hospital, which was a little ways away, and they rushed him to the emergency room. But to make the long story short, the reason that he was shaking so violently and the reason he went into panic is that as he was coming to, as he was regaining consciousness and as he was looking up, he was in a Shell gas station he saw the sign, but the S had fallen off. So can you imagine? Did you, did you catch that? Maybe it'll, it'll come to you. There it is. <clears throat> there, he's just been in a car accident. He's just coming to. And the first thing he sees is a sign that says, Hell, open 24 hours. True story. By the way, it is. Hell is open 24 hours. The devil never takes a vacation. It's always open for business. But you know what the good news is? So is heaven. Heaven's open 24 hours. God never takes a vacation. He's always standing with arms open wide. My friends, the question is up to you. The choice is also up to you. Will you remember your creator in your youth? Will you remember your creator in this life? Because the choice that you make today will influence the rest of your eternity. And while it may not matter here, it may may not amount to a lot of riches and glory and fame, but in the life to come, it'll matter a great deal. Is there meaning in this life? Absolutely. Solomon says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. My friends, Jesus Christ came into this world to deal with our biggest problems. Our biggest problem isn't COVID. Our biggest problem isn't our government. Our biggest problem isn't our our parents or our siblings or, or, or our neighbor or our dog. Our biggest problem is our sin. It's our sin. Jesus Christ came into this world to deal with our sin. God so loved the world that he sent us Jesus and Jesus, because he loved every one of us, died on a cross, not because he was guilty, because you and I were and he died on that cross so that those of us who will believe in him might have life and might have meaning and purpose and a destiny and a life that will never ever end with him. The choice is yours. What will you do with Jesus today? What will you do with Jesus in this life? And that brings me to my big idea. The big idea that Solomon wants to give us in this passage is that God is life. That God is life. That Jesus came to bring us life. Jesus died so that we can live. He brought us out of death and into life because God is life. And if you choose to remember your creator, you get to share in the life that Jesus came to bring. And if you remember your creator today, you will enjoy your creator forever in eternity. And that brings me to my second point, and that is God brings everything under his judgment. God brings everything under his judgment. I want to read verses 9 to 14 of Ecclesiastes 12. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed are the collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these. Of making many books, there is no end and much study is a weariness of the flesh. And all the students probably said amen there. Verse 13. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or good or evil so Solomon ends his book his journal with some final conclusions in fact it's the ultimate conclusion of his book but in the process of concluding he tells us that he carefully very meticulously studied and collected and worked to bring together all of these proverbs and all of these sayings to put them in a book so that they can be read and learned from by all of the future generations by all of us And in verse number 11, he says that these wise sayings are like goads. Do you know what goads are? You ever been goaded into something? Yeah, probably you have. A goat is just a sharp stick that that shepherds use to kind of motivate the sheep to go the right direction. You know, sheep are stubborn. You know this. And so in order to help motivate them to move along, they use a little sharp stick to help, not to hurt them, but to help move them along to go the right path. You know, the wise sayings of God's word are like spiritual goads. They goad us or prod us to move in the right direction to keep us on the right path towards God. And that's what verse 11 says, that that these words are goads. And then you remember in verse number 8, the conclusion of living life under the sun was what? Was vanity. But in verses 13 and 14, we come to the ultimate conclusion. You know, if we just raise our eyes just a little bit beyond the sun and we raise it beyond just our horizon and we look to the heavens and we include God in the equation, there's a whole nother conclusion that you come to and you find it in verses 13 and 14. And if I could sum up verse number 13 in just a few words, kind of like the Cliff Notes version, here's the summary conclusion. Ready? Fear God, keep his commandments. Anybody can remember that, right? Fear God, keep his commandments. That's the sum total of what Solomon wants you and me to remember, that the life with God makes all life meaningful. There's a destiny and a purpose, and in order to live life with God, we are to fear God and keep his commandments. I want to read for you how the Amplified Bible writes this verse Here's how the Amplified Bible puts it. All has been heard, and the end of the matter is, fear God, revere and worship him, knowing that he is and keep his commandments. For this is the whole of man, the full original purpose of his creation, the object of God's providence, the root of character, the foundation of all happiness, the adjustment to all in harmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun, and the whole duty of every man. It's the sum total of everything a man and a woman is called to do, no matter what stage of life we're in, no matter how old we might be, this is the sum total of what God calls us to do. We are to fear God and to keep his commandments. In order to find meaning and satisfaction in the world, in this world, and in the world to come, verses 13 to 14 give us three things to do. One is to fear God. Fear God, fear God. Fear doesn't mean to be afraid like you're afraid of the dark, like some of you are still afraid of the dark. It means to be in awe, to have reverential awe. And that awe leads us to worship. It's something that flows out of us because we know God is holy and perfect and just and pure, that sin can't exist in His presence. And so we have a healthy awe and respect of God. Remember if you read the C.S. Lewis book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or if you cheated and watched the movie, um, you remember that there's a scene just before uh, Susan and Lucy are about to meet Aslan. Remember Aslan? He's the lion, and he, that lion represents Christ. Remember that? And just before they're going to meet Aslan, Susie and Lucy, Susan and Lucy, are, going, are talking with Mr. and Mrs. Beaver about this encounter they're about to have. And Mr. and Mrs. Beaver are about to or are trying to help the children prepare for this encounter, and here's what Susan says. She says, "Ooh, I thought he was a man. "'Is he quite safe? "'I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. "'Mrs. Beaver says that you will, dearie, "'and make no mistake. "'If there's anyone who can appear before Aslan "'without their knees knocking, "'they are either braver than most or just else silly.'" "'Then isn't he safe?' said Lucy. "'Safe,' said Mr. Beaver,' Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. My friends, God is not safe. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us our God is a consuming fire. But he's good. Our God is a good, good God, isn't he? There's nothing safe about him. And so we respond to God in fear and in trembling, not trembling as if though we're too afraid, but trembling because we're in reverential awe of a God who is a consuming fire, recognizing that we are not worthy to stand in his presence, and yet he allows us to come in because of Jesus Christ. We respond to God in worship and in adoration. The second thing Solomon tells us here is we should obey God. You see, the fear of God and the reverential awe and worship of God should immediately lead us and drive us to obedience. You remember what Jesus said? If you love me, keep my... Are you sure that's what he said? Are you sure he didn't say, if you love me, you'll have a warm, fuzzy feeling for a week? Are you sure? If you love me, keep my... I try to tell my children that all the time. Dad, I love you. Okay? What did I tell you just five minutes ago? But God says, if you love God, keep his commandments. By the way, they're all right here. (laughs) You don't have to go searching for them. They're all right here. You got to know this word in order to keep his commandments. Fear God, keep his commandments. There's a third one, and that's what we read in verse number 14. We need to prepare to meet God. When we are done with this life and and our soul separates from this body and this body returns to dust from which it was taken and our souls go to our eternal home, there will come a day when our soul will be reunited with our body and we will stand before Jesus as he comes to judge the world. There will be a day when the trumpet will sound and time will be no more and the dead will be raised and every single person will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And on that day, the Bible says the books will be opened. And in those books are written everything that you and I have ever done, whether it's public knowledge or secret. And everything, oh yeah, this is getting messy, right? Some of you are like cringing in your seat. Everything we have ever done is recorded in the book of deeds. And whether it's secret or public knowledge, it's there. And the Bible says you and I will be judged out of that book. Whether good or or evil. And so why does Solomon end this book with a picture of judgment? Why does he conclude this whole book, this whole journal, with a picture of judgment? You see, because there is judgment, everything matters. So let's, let's walk this logical path. If there is no God, then there is no judge. If there is no judge, there is no what? Judgment. And if there's no judgment, nothing matters. It's all vanity. It's all searching after the wind. It's all futile and useless and worthless. But if there is a God, and we know that to be true, because there is a God, that means there is a judge. And because there is a judge, there is a judgment. And because there is a judgment, Everything matters, my friends. Everything matters because the books will be opened and you and I will have to give an account for what we have done in this body, in this life. What will those books tell us about you? What will they tell about me? It matters what we do. It matters what our eyes see and what our ears hear. It matters what our mouths say and what our hands touch. It matters whether we are boastful and proud or if we're humble and lowly. It matters whether we are selfish and greedy or if we're generous and giving. It all matters. Everything matters. It's all being recorded in God's book of deeds. As one writer put it, he wrote it it this way. He says, the final message of Ecclesiastes, is not that nothing matters, but that everything does. What we did, how we did it, and why we did it will all have eternal significance. The reason everything matters is because everything in the universe is subject to the final verdict of a righteous God who knows every secret. It all matters. Why we did it and how we did it, it matters. But if you remember your creator, you know what the beauty is? When you stand before the judge of the whole world and he changes the page to your name or pages to your name, you know what's going to be stamped across those pages? Forgiven. Forgiven is going to be stamped in red blood, the blood of the Lamb of God who died for us and gave his life for us. It's going to be stamped on those pages, Forgiven, and instead of being judged for what you have done, you know what's going to happen? He's going to stand, open his nail-scarred hands, and say, Welcome home. Enter into the joy of your Lord. My friends, that's the picture that can happen if you remember your Creator. That is what can happen if you acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior today. So as I close, can I just challenge you? If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, and you've never given your heart and life to him, if you've never repented from your sin and turned away from the things that you have done and the things that you have tried to do, and you've turned and you have not turned to him, may I encourage you, would you do that today? Say, Lord, I'm sorry for the things I've done. I'm sorry for all of my sins and I turn from my sin and I turn to you and I cling to the cross and I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to be, and come and be the Lord of my life. The Bible says when you ask Jesus to come and be Lord of your life, he will. He will. That's remembering your creator in your youth. That decision will transform you. That decision will change who you are. It will give you a meaning and a purpose. It will give you a joy and a satisfaction that you've never known before because now you've raised your eyes beyond the sun and you look to your creator, a creator who stands ready to receive anyone and everyone who will call upon his name. Friends, for those of you who know and love Jesus Christ, I'm so thankful for every one of you. But may I remind you, that in the hustle and bustle of life, when we are so tempted to go after this and that, to buy that and buy this, all thinking that all of that is going to bring us some kind of satisfaction, don't forget what Solomon said. It's all vanity. It's all chasing after the wind. The next iPhone is coming out, it's not gonna satisfy you because <laughs> the next one's coming out after that. That new vet that you know Pastor Vince drives, that beautiful 1960-something vet, it satisfies him, it's not going to satisfy you. (laughs) It might satisfy me if he lets me borrow it, but that's a different story. (laughs) It'll last as long as the top is down and the sun is shining. As soon as that's gone, if that doesn't do any good, you spark it in the garage and you're done. I'm sorry, Pastor Vince, I'm just picking on you. (laughs) No matter where we go, no matter what we do, if we don't have God and we're not doing it to the glory of God, it's all vanity. May I encourage you fear God. Keep his commandments and be prepared to meet him because one day he's coming. And when we stand before him, what will he say of us? I hope and pray he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org/connect to introduce yourself today.